welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving the perspective on the games that we love, the headlines of pop culture, and the meaning about it all. I'm your host, Wednesday Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? It's going fantastical! <laughs> exclamation point! Exclamation point! Wow! <laughs> 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 The energy, the yeah, energy. We gotta bring it, man. Ha! Got a lot of energy. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, well, we have a lot of topics to get into uh, t- tonight, as usual, and just and to start it off with um, uh, with Philly and just kind of thoughts on how well James Harden has, has played the Sixers so far. Um, they are currently third in the East, and it's you know kind of been a, an ideal start for the Embiid Harden duo. Um, they were able to start off with two stellar performances from Harden against Minnesota and New York and had another win against the Knicks last night. And as you can see early on, you know, Philly has two of the league, two of the league's best foul, foul drawers, uh, drawers on the same team. And they can just impact the game to, to be a lot longer and really extend the game and the duration of it. But to you kind of like, what are your initial thoughts on uh, of just how Harden has looked with the team so far? And obviously like this is one of the things where we want to see it in the postseason, but what have kind of been some of your initial takeaways? You know what? I've, I think we talked about this before. Well, when he first got traded over there, he's going to be able to do the same things he did with Houston. He's going to be more free. He's going to be yeah. one of the top guys again, not number three on the list, but got behind, you know, Kyrie Irving and, you know, the guy, guy named Kevin Durant, if you heard of him. So yeah. he's able to be free. Good. <clears throat> yeah, really, really good. <laughs> he's able to get back into what he's used to. He's he's comfortable again. Even with the hamstring, he can be able to go and do the one-two punch and, and the, the pick and roll game. He's able to drive and hold finish at the whole in different ways. He's back to him normal self. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for him or a good thing bad for them for the 76ers right now, but they look good. They look like they're embracing him. They look like they're excited that he's on the he's on the team. And Joel Embiid definitely seems excited. You know, took some uh, some advice from early and often and got a traveling call. <laughs> so I think they they're just... I've seen I've seen more travels from from Embiid than I have in a, in a long time, and I'm I wonder why. <laughs> Blame it on James. <laughs> but it looks like they're gelling though. Like the last couple, yes. of, it looks like from they're the gelling. Jump. Yeah, from the jump, and that's it's really hard. But I think when you're when you, from a Joel and B perspective, when you're used to like these subpar guys and guys not buying in, guys don't want to contact other guys, guys don't want to come play basketball because they don't want to be. So he's happy to get a guy who's hungry to win a championship who hasn't won a championship yet, just like him. So I think I think that's why they're gelling the way they are. They all want to win a championship before their their tenure is up. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you look at a player, a young player like Tyrese Maxey, who he had a, a big jump, um, a, a big breakout year uh, 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 last season. And then this year, he's still continuing to play well. Like, do you feel as though outside of him beating Harden, like, is there one player on this Philly team, maybe even a Tobias Harris, that you think has to, like, play at a, at a really high level for them to, to be able to get to that, you know, championship mark? I think it is Tobias Harris, and I, I think yeah. I think it's uh, another guy. I think Danny Green's another guy who's who has yeah. experience, who's coming off the bench, and they're kind of experimenting with James Harden coming with the second unit so they could give them an edge. I think it's more so from the coaching standpoint. How do we shake things up? How do we get the the best mixed matches? How do we get the, the the best players on the court at the right times? I think them going with James Harden in the second unit sometimes I think works best for him so he can take over the game when it matters the most. But I think mm-hmm. you have to go with Tobias Harris. You have to go with uh, Danny Green. You also have to go with uh, Shake Milton at the, the park. experience vet. Yeah, experience vet and then Shake Milton. I've 
I'm kind of like examining him and studying him a little bit. I think he he has a complete upside uh, to him. You know, he averaged 23 minutes a game. He gives you 10 points. He's shooting from over 40% from the field. I think he's another guy who can be the field general, who can also be not as good as CP3, but a guy who can slow the game down and yeah, make sure he's methodical. Exactly. And I think he can do yeah. that. Especially you don't you don't need a guy to give you big points. You need a guy who can slow it down and define the mismatches and get people in their spot. So I think outside of the the, the veteran guys, I think uh Shake Milton is a, a guy that you need to look for who can who can step up big and be that guy who slows everything down to get people to their spots. And Shake Milton, which which is a great name, by the way. It's a great I name. It's it. an A-list name. <laughs> Um, but but now just transitioning to, to Miami's underrated successful season and kind of you know why they aren't mentioned as much compared mm-hmm. to other East teams. Um, they're currently first in the East, and you know they ha- had a, a one point loss against Milwaukee um, last night. You know, w- you know when they w- were up fourteen, and Milwaukee just had a, a great run at the end. But in terms of just you know the, at one point in the season they were they won eight of their uh, past nine games, and then bam out of bio if, if you look at at really what he's been able to do he's continued to put up massive numbers mm-hmm. averaging 22.7 points and 11 rebounds but what are kind of your thoughts on this team you know going under the radar with other headlining you know headlines surrounding more star heavy he- east teams and them just you know rounding into form as they head down the stretch of the season they're number 1 wellington yeah number 1 and i and i say they don't get the pl- they're not talked about they're though. not talked about <laughs> because they're the normal there are not any scandals there's yeah. not a guy who hasn't played it's business a full season yet. They don't have any fights going on. Nobody's, you know, <laughs> bickering the coach. Everybody, everybody's on the same page. It's not going to get sales. It's not going to get people to watch their shows. This team is so underrated, so so underrated. And Kyle Lar just put the, the 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 cherry on top for this team. I don't know why people. I do know why people because they don't have a Zion Williamson or a Giannis Antetokounmpo, whatever how you say his last name, whose brothers on the team because of him. They don't have those things, Wellington. <laughs> so it can bring the publicity that the NBA needs to continue their success. But you look at yeah. their 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 front five, their starting five, man. Come on, bro. And Jimmy yes. Butler is still doing it at a high level. And Kyle Lowry, even though he's kind of banged up, Jimmy's banged up, PJ Tucker's banged up, but all those guys, Jill, Will, and Bam is Bam is still eating. And then Harrow, coming off the They're bench. They're a matchup nightmare. Tyler. They're a matchup nightmare. Yes. I think that's the best thing yeah, they did, though, bringing Tyler off sure. the bench. Yeah, and, and that was another thing I want to mention because he, he kind of had a, a, like, last season it wasn't a, a, as, as efficient, as an efficient of a season we, we've seen, him, seen from him the, before because it was, it was a bit of a slump. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was a bit of a slump. But in terms of like him kind of getting back to that to that status of being more efficient, knocking down um, more perimeter yeah. shots, like do you feel as though like that that move from the bench was like what he really needed? For sure, because then when you come off the bench or you mm, the sixth man, if you will, if you come off the bench when the rotation is perfect, you're gonna get the shots that you need. You're gonna get to yeah. your spots a little better. They're gonna allow him to have a higher percentage rating when you come off the bench like this. Like uh, I think of uh, Manu Ginobili because he was in starter five for years, and it was like, okay, let's come off the bench. And he ate even more being the sixth man. So I think this is a perfect position for him to come in and being with the second unit, getting those those easier shots for him to make. And then he's averaging almost twenty one points a game. So that's that's crazy numbers. 21 points a game, consistently being the sixth man, coming with the second unit. I think that's perfect for him. And I think he's out of that slump 
Yeah, yeah. He, I think he's definitely out. Yeah, yeah. I think he's out. <laughs> Man, we don't talk about Manu Ginobili enough, bro. He doesn't. He doesn't get the love. He, does, he, does, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't get the love. Legend, bro. <laughs> Key moments oh. over and over again. Knocking down big shots. Yo, yeah. He's bro. I watched his film when he first came in the league. Like on yeah. YouTube, I was like, bro, why did they why did Tim Duncan not want him? Like, bro, exactly. Why? I'm like, what? Greg, the white snowman understood. White snowman. <laughs> yes. White snowman understood the assignment. He was like, we're going to get that kid. And you and he showed everybody. Without Ginobili, I don't think they would have won as many championships as they did or were so no. successful as they were. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now transitioning to to John Morant's just you know excellent offensive performances recently and, and his consistency. Um, this past Saturday in the Grizzlies win over the Bulls, um, John broke the Grizzlies regular season scoring record with with forty six points, and it was also his fifth four, uh, forty point performance of the season. No other player in Grizzlies history had uh, notched more than one in a season, and this is the nineteenth time this season that Morant scored at least twenty points in the paint, but. You know, just looking at what he's been able to do, putting up historic offensive numbers for Memphis and him, you know, solidifying his place in the league as one of the young prolific stars. Um, what have kind of been your thoughts on just, you know, his continued ascension? He's next up, man. He's next up. Yeah. He's the next, next he's the next guy that's gonna be uh have the face of the NBA in his hands at the moment because he's electrifying, he has an incredible vertical, he's a guy who can finish at the rim, he can shoot the big shot, he can play good defense, he's ducking all yeah. people from ways away. He's the next guy, the, the publicity guy. We see Zion, we seen Luca, they're dying away from Luca a little bit. So Ja's the next guy. But these MVP chants or whatever has to stop. Ja is not an MVP guy yet. He's not there You want to die down? You want to die, die down, down. Die, die down the he's, MVP hype? <laughs> he's, not, he's not the guy yet. He's not consistent enough, that guy. And he's been injury prone. Mm-hmm. So you, you're saying Ja is on the level of, Ste- Ste- you know, Stephen, not Stephen, Steph Curry, uh, KD, LeBron or James. Steve Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Kirk. <laughs> Steph Curry. Like, you're telling me Ja's on that level. He can't get to that no. level. He's not even on the level of Luka. He's yet. got the potential. No, yeah, he has he's potential. not that level yet. If anybody who's going to be the next face of the NBA, I'll give it to Luka. Because Luka has been consistent. Since the y'all guys, Luca Braze, Luca Braze, yeah, man. Whoa, <laughs> I thought it was gonna be Zion. I haven't gave up on Zion just yet. I we just, haven't seen enough of Zion. Exactly. We haven't seen enough. Of Zion. Luke, That's it. Luca has been consistent on the front corner backcourt. The guy can give you buckets, and he the can, put back dunk over Dwight Howard come on, Tuesday bro. night. Come on, come on now. Yeah. Come on now. I'm, I believe. <laughs> I'm a believer now. <laughs> well, let's say I'm a believer. I see that's two for two. I gave you Chris two Paul, oh, and man. I'm giving you Luca. Two for two. <laughs> but I will say this: I never said Luca was a bad. I said his teammates had to trust him more, like his like his exactly. first year, and then the trust had, had, to, had to develop. Yeah, and now he has that wholeheartedly. They trust him. Luke, get Luca the ball. Get, <laughs> get Luca the ball. And, and I mean, even with this Grizzlies team, like, do like they're one game behind from the Warriors. The Warriors have been in a bit of a slump. I mean, obviously Draymond Draymond's out, and the Warriors still need some some more players mm-hmm. uh, to, to fill back in, even James Wiseman. Like, what do you think about this team's, like, just playoff opportunities and how far, like, they should go? Should go? Like, do you think, like, a second round, like, it, it, like maybe a second round X or something like that? Or, like, do you think they can even go further? The uh, Grizzlies, correct? Yeah, the Grizzlies. They, they exit the first round, bro. Oof. And, and, and I say this because they're not experienced enough, and they have the hype because of Jaw. And yeah, they won a couple games without John Morant, but I don't think they can sustain themselves if because they're sitting what at 
Because they would be playing the like if the playoff if the playoffs started today, they would be playing the Nuggets in the first round, and that's a tough matchup. And I definitely think, especially with Murray coming back, Murray's coming back. Jokic is still man. Come on, Michael bro. Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. Those guys are looking good. They're sitting at number six right now, and then you know that's a tough matchup. Grizzlies at number three, I think, is a definitely tough matchup because those guys have been there, mm-hmm. especially in the We've bubble last year, yeah. in the last few years. And if yeah. Murray is completely healthy, it's going to be extremely. <laughs> Tough game guarding him. Don't forget about Murray. Do not forget about Jamal Murray. <laughs> His injuries have been plaguing him, but he's still a great basketball player. And then Yo- him, him and Jokic, if they are on the same page and they're healthy, it's going to be a crazy mm-hmm. game. I don't think Jodham has enough to sustain after the first round. That's what, that's just me. If they play the if they play the Nuggets, it's going to be hard for him to get out of that series. I think the only matchup that that would favor them is the Timberwolves. <laughs> no, they yeah, second round easy. They might no, sweep them. Have- yeah. Exactly. But I mean, outside of that, because the Clippers are eighth and then Dallas is fifth, yeah. Utah is fourth. So, I mean, they would kind of need to get that second spot, I would think. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I would like to see them have adversity the, the first season. Exactly. Yeah. If, if they really are ready. If they really are ready. Because some people are saying this, this may be like, you know, just, just how we saw that young OKC team, you know, get past the Mavericks when they were the, when they were the, the defending champs mm-hmm. and like kind of go on a run. Like maybe we need to see them kind of go through a tough stretch to see like what they're made of. Yeah, and it, we we've we seen a couple guys. We see what they're made of. Um, you you look at the the Utah Jazz. You look at mm-hmm. them. We've always said, oh, their spot is the next guy up. He's gonna he got to show us, and he can't get past the second round. So if everybody's saying John Moran's the next guy up, he's going to be the face of NBA, blah, blah, blah. He should be MVP, yada, yada. We have to see it when he faces Versity. If he faces a different Nuggets team and get out of the first round, I'll respect that team a little more. I respect Ja. It's not Ja. I'm respecting... It's the team. The enti- yeah, exactly. The entire yeah, the team. So I don't think they can get out of the first round. That's just me. I don't think Ja's enough, to, uh, enough of a, a player to be able to take his team down the stretch by himself. And they don't have any... Supporting cast to be able to sustain whatever they're trying to do in the in, you know in the playoffs and the Denver Nuggets and Murray is, is healthy. The Denver Nuggets is going to make a run for it. I'm this their time. Do you to think? Do you think the shoot. Nuggets? Do you think the Nuggets could be a dark horse if they get everybody back healthy? Like I mean, that is a team that's been to the conference finals before for sure. And the Lakers yeah. are the dark horse too. Exactly. Yeah. No, I was just throwing it out because I, I still think the Lakers are going to win the. <laughs> I got it, but I'm saying, but, but I'm saying, like, whenever I know we're making fun of it, but whenever you have LeBron in the postseason, I mean, it's it's a, it's, it's a different story. Man, Bron's fed up, bro. <laughs> He's so he, Bron's fed and up. that's he, he. I mean, I've never he, you you even look at, at the last year he was with Cleveland and they had to get a, a you know a, you know a change positions for the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. It was never to this frustration because he was in a weaker conference. Now, like you're in, you you've got three or four teams that are at an extremely high level right now. For sure, and it. They should have traded Russell Westbrook. They don't have supporting cast. They don't have uh, Alex Caruso or uh, Danny Green, some other guys that helped them win a championship. They need to. They need to. And now this story is going out. Russell Westbrook wants to be traded in the summer. You should have been traded. Well, it's gonna happen. Don't worry, Russ. Don't oh, worry. Be patient. <laughs> Don't worry. It's coming. The only reason why- it's coming. It's it's coming very soon. <laughs> the other reason why you didn't get traded because LeBron was showing loyalty. Mm-hmm. But you can't. Now, it's no time for loyalty when you're trying to get an NBA championship. He's the weakest link. He doesn't belong. You get two other. You get two or three guys for him to bring some supported cast. Some guys coming off the bench who can consistently shoot the three because they are weak right now, Wellington. 
and even in a loss against like they've lost to the Clippers twice without Paul George and and, and Kawhi. And you you look at at a team like the Clippers that have been extremely well coached with Tyron Lue. Like mm-hmm. when you look at even that team with them still being in a postseason you know position without Kawhi and Paul George, like if they get one or one or two of those guys, like do you feel as though like even they could have a shot to like maybe possibly make it to the second round or, or further because they've they've been to the conference finals, but even without their two best players, they're still they're still competent. Yeah, but it, it it takes those one or two guys or just one guy to add take you over. Yeah, to take you over. Yeah. We've seen like we we look at the Suns and mm-hmm. I don't know what they're missing. It's always they get to the, the point. It's two years in a row they got to the point and then they lose. They got to the NBA just finals last year. Something doesn't doesn't stick. Just something doesn't stick. It's just I don't, it's not the coaching. It's not coaching. It's He's just a great coach. Yeah, it's just I guess the opportunity and and and, and chances when it comes to. Second, second chance, second chance shots, and opportunities. Yeah, yeah, man. It's I don't know what they're missing, but it's something they, they should have the it though. They should have it. Yeah, I mean they got they all the pieces. Should. They definitely should. <laughs> I don't know if Devin Booker has to just take off, just let him go. I haven't seen him take off and take over a game in 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 a while since CP3 has got on the team. They need to let him. That's, and that's the and that's the one thing I wanted to mention. That's when we started to see him take over. Was when CP3 got there. It's not. It's not been in this, especially like in in the key playoff moments. It hasn't happened without CP3. Mm-mm. And we're I, yeah. I've, I've seen him get like 50, 55 points a couple games. He's averaging than that, and they're they're winning and losing. They're where well, they're li- losing more than they win, and now he's just averaging like twenty, you know, twenty eight, twenty nine in that realm. And then they're winning, getting to the playoffs, get to the championship, and then they don't finish. At some point, he has to like, I gotta get fifty five, I gotta Absolutely. get sixty five. See, killer push. mentality. Yes, and I think that's that's possibly what they're missing because he's the best player on the team. Obviously, hands oh, for down. sure, for sure, for sure. He has to. Have, he's been taught by Mamba. Get that mentality. You got. That's take what we need over. to see. We need. We really need to see that Mamba mentality because he can, he he's got it in him. For sure. And it, we haven't really yeah. seen it yet in key sure. moments. And I think they're going to get back to the playoffs, obviously. They're going to go Definitely. deep. We need to see. I think that's the the, the decision. What are they going to look like in the conference finals? That's what we got to see. Ooh, are we going to get a, a barbecue or are we going to get some mildew? I hope we get some barbecue. <laughs> barbecue, please. <laughs> barbecue, check. Please, chef. Please, chef. <laughs> I need a barbecue, check. <laughs> Um, but but now transitioning to, to our first album, album review with Conway the, Conway the Machine's God Don't Make Mistakes. Um, in his latest Shady Records debut, he continues to show his, you know, trademark 1990s NYC influenced style. Um, is lyrically sharp and, you know, highlights his inner demons, inner turmoil, inner turmoil obstacles and trials. Um, even a track like uh, Stress, you know, he describes the amount of stress that comes with both ascending the ranks to financial success and dealing with tragedy. And then uh, in Hit Boys produced track Wild Chapters along with Novel and T.I., is another moment that sees him touching on on the death of his uh, tragic death of his son. But uh, to you, kind of like, what are your initial thoughts on this album, and you know, some of the highlights from it? Very emotional, obviously. Yes. Very trans- emotional journey. Yeah, very transparent, very lyrical. It gets you tied in. He's a storyteller, yeah. bro. He's a storyteller, bro. Oh yeah, and you could tell that from from the first track, "Lock Load." Man, it's like you just go like you could tell where he's been, where he's where he's been. And where he's going and like the ram of his emotion now losing your kid, that's extremely difficult. Extremely difficult yeah. to, to handle yeah. and to put into um art form. Lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's extremely difficult. And to it to be catchy and it to be 
um, something that lingers in your head that it catches like the, the pain, yeah. the pain you have to convey to just sit there and listen to that. That's just so tough. And to be able to like, just like relate to it. Isn't that like yeah. losing your son or just losing a relative or just hearing a different perspective of how to grieve? Like, that's what I got from it. It was a lot of emotions that came from um, listening to this album. And I thought, thought it was really dope. You could definitely tell he's from New York. <laughs> definitely mm. tell that. Oh, yeah. But For sure. <laughs> I think this was a solid project. Um, I had to listen to it. I listened to it twice um, straight through. And I thought I thought it was solid. I thought it was definitely solid. This was a very solid album. Yeah. And I, I, I was I was thoroughly impressed because like, and that's another question I had. Like when you when you have an emotional journey type of project, at some point, like, do you feel as though it can be a challenge for an artist to keep a listener? Like, at at some point, do you feel like feel as though it can be a challenge for an artist to keep a listener engaged because they it, it can be too heavy at times? Or do you feel as though like 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 we even mentioned, he balanced it perfectly to the point where as though you wanted to stay engaged throughout the whole album. I think when you're an artist, you want to engage your core foundation of listeners. And yeah. then the stragglers is going to be around coming in because, oh, people posted on social media or you got on Apple Music playlist or Spotify playlist, whatever the case may be. I think when you're an artist, you have to pander to your core crowd. So your core crowd already knows what to expect from you. And then sometimes you sure. exceed their expectations, sometimes you don't, but they know what they expect. So they're gonna they have a loyalty, a loyalty program within your foundation, within um your core listeners. So they already know what they're gonna get, obviously, and they're gonna rock with it regardless of what you put out. They're gonna say, Oh, it was better than this, or oh, it was really, really good. But I think the stragglers is what I think some some might be like, Oh, I really don't rock with it, or I don't think this really was my cup of tea if you haven't listened to him or listened to an album before or listened to a single or have heard of his music. I'm one of those stragglers. <laughs> I said all to say I'm one of those stragglers, but I really was I really vibe with this. Yes. The voice, his storytelling, the pain, the New Yorkness. Um it wasn't drill. It was it was actually like, <laughs> you know, like New York, New York. Cause I mean I, I even when I mentioned it, even when I mentioned it last week that he was dropping, you were kind of like, "Oh, okay, cool." <laughs> like I was like, "Oh, is Savon gonna like this?" <laughs> yeah, because I didn't know who he was. Like I didn't know yeah. who Conway the Machine was, but I, I, I respect his cadence. I respect his voice and how he perceived how he was able to put that in art form. His pain in art form. I think that's very yes. hip hop. Very, very hip hop. I'm always Vintage. gonna be down for hip hop. Definitely. Uh, were there any like standout tracks or? Or, or features on on this project. I mean, we, we got uh, Ross and Wayne, obviously yeah. uh, Jill Scott, yeah. Benny the Butcher. Yeah. Were, were, were there any ones that that kind of stood out to you? Tear Gas, mm. yes, fire. Piano Love, fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chanel Pearls with Jill Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, I even like Jill Scott barred up. Jill Scott barred hey, up. Nah. <laughs> I love when her and Erica Badu give you bars. Yo, I bro. love that. And then um, I like John Wu Flick with Benny the Butcher on it. That was tough. Yeah, I that thought was that was really nice. Benny Benny gave us a, a slight bit of difference in his verse. I liked his. Verse. He did. He actually did. <laughs> so I was surprised. I was like, okay, Benny the Butcher on here. Okay, let me. You you thought you were gonna hear the same thing, same, but you kind of uh, switched it up. He kind of switched it up just a slight. I like that. It was good. It was good. I like this verse. I like this verse. Whole song was solid. But Tear Gas, Piano Love, Chanel Pearls, and then John Wu Flick was one of my one of my favorites. Absolutely. Um, and now you're transitioning to Earth Gang's uh, yeah! uh, album. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Excitement. I like that. <laughs> uh, but, but, but their latest album, uh, Ghetto Gods, in this new album, you know, tackles spirituality, uh, survival, and social media fallacies. As in a song like American Horror Story, you know, they cover world history mixed with anecdotal musings on survival. And 
you know, this this just felt like a very complete and succinct album as the focus was to curate a project that, you know, utilizes cornerstones of Black art to make uh, pointed observations. But what were kind of your overall thoughts on this album? And, you know, who, who do you kind of, you know, like, do you feel as though it was really kind of like a, a solid body of work? Because this, this was an album I just was still, like, over the weekend, just stuck listening to going back over and over. Yeah. And kind of really feel as though they, they put together a solid project. Yo, like, it just was like a, a sub point to Spill Village to me. Yeah. And the, it's Spill Village and all those guys, G.I.D., all them guys, like, in Earth Game, they're so different. They're mm-hmm. so, so different, so unique, and they're how they pronounce the words, how they find different angles of how to say certain things. Like, yo, like, these boys are fire. They're fire, and man. I, I watch their TikTok <laughs> all the time of them rapping, man. Like, yo, yeah, Earth Game Fire, bro. This this was like, yeah, this, this nice. was it. Yeah, it's sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I got excited because, you know, I rock with Earth Game real heavy. Oh, yeah. When I when I first listened, I was like, I hope Savon is like already listening and excited. Bro, what? I was on it. I saw they released that on their TikTok and was waiting for it, bro. Like I was at yeah. the front door. But yeah, bro, late man, the, their voices, bro, how they just pronounce stuff, their cadences. I, and I love the way they just find different ways to say stuff. And GID does the same thing. And they all in the same group, obviously, Spell Village and how they just articulate so well, bro. Like it's different. Like that's it's it's a good different though. It's a good vibe. They have everything. They have club songs. They have up tempo rock songs. They have the slow songs that get you vibe and you can ride at night. They have everything you wanted in this album from top to bottom. And they're lyrical and they have bars. So yeah, this was nice. It really was. And I, I mean, you look at hip hop duos in the past, like Outkast or. Eric B and, 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 and Rakim, UGK, Mob Deep. Like, do you feel as though when you have a hip hop duo, like there has to be just just a like what is what is the key ingredient? Like you like, do you think like it you have to have to be able to have a successful run of projects and just songs where people feel as though like you have a certain amount of chemistry? Yeah, you just said the last word you just said, chemistry. Yeah, it has to be definitely. chemistry. Even when you get a guy to feature on your song or woman, whatever case it be, you have to have a feature. You have to go together. Your voices have to gel together. The, what I loved about Outkast, they were able to find different angles of music. They weren't afraid so to many. do certain so things. Many. For a long time, I thought Andre 3000 was a singer. No lie, bro. I thought the man was a singer. I never thought he was a rapper. And that was like, you know, Andre 3000 is a rapper. It's like, no, that man's a singer, bro. <laughs> he was like, no, bro. He's a rapper. He just be singing all the time. I'm like, oh. So if that makes you think he's a singer and he's really a rapper, I was like, this singer dude got some bars. (laughs) But that's that's the beauty of it. You have to be able to first have that chemistry with each other and be able to find different angles of music, which they do. Earth Game does it. Um, Who's another group? Uh, A Tribe Called Quest, obviously. They They... Jail so well, even Wu Tang, even they, no, all of them really didn't start as friends. What they had a core group of each other, and then just brought everybody together. But they all jailed. Everybody had that chemistry. Everybody was on the same page with lyrically, with the bars, boom, boom, boom. That's what it takes to have a good rap group. Even Pivot Gang with Saba them, they're they're straight. They have chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. I mean, the list goes on with these these rap groups and stuff like that. So I mean. I mean, but that's the core of it. You got to have chemistry with each other. You got to have some type of background with each other to be able to, like, you know, be successful. I already know you got, like, your top three. I already know you you got your top three favorite off this album. 
Ooh, or, or or some highlights. <laughs> I can't even give you a top three, bro. It's it's too many to say. It's too many. It's it honestly is too three. many because because there were so many songs off this project I liked. All eyes on me. Yes. Uh, Amen. Yes. Um, Water boys, obviously. Yes, sir. I thought Billy was tough. Billy, Billy was, was tough. tough. Billy was crazy. I didn't know <laughs> Billy. Was, that caught me off guard. <laughs> with Future, and I was like, I yes. don't know if they're gonna jail with you. It hit. Uh, it was fire. I like Ghetto yeah. Gods. Um, b- 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 that was a great b- 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 start b- b- to the album. Uh, American Hoister was fire. And then Power with CeeLo Green. Ooh. And Nick Cannon. I was surprised Nick when they had Nick on it. I was like, Nick Cannon. I saw, wait, what? Nick Cannon? <laughs> but yeah, I, mean, I, I don't have a top three, bro. I can't give you a top it's, three. It, and, that's the tribute, and that's the tribute to like a great a great project. Yes. Like they, they just had too many too many good tracks on this. Out of 17 songs. I did themselves. Out of 17 songs, like 9 to 10, like you really, really like, I think that's a successful oh, album. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and after listening to, to Russ, uh, Russ's new new uh, single, What Are Y'all, and this new track from him, you know, he talks about the benefits of remaining independent and, and retaining ownership. Uh, the impact in this track is, you know, more substance over style as he challenges his critics using his own accomplishments to validate his development. Um, but in terms of just, you know, the content he was covering and how he's been extremely active this year with already dropping a few a few weekly singles, including Remember, Real and Handsomer, uh, what are kind of your thoughts on this track and just him already just dropping a lot of music already so far this year, as, as he had uh, a really impressive project in Ch- Chomp 2 later last year. I mean, I'm in mixed limbo with Russ. Um, mm. First of all, I have to give him flowers, give him his flowers, man. What a blueprint he is to show. Um, that's why at that one point, I think um, in 2020 and sometime last year, I was dropping singles every week because of Russ. Like, I used to listen to Russ and stuff all the time on what he used to do to be able to, to get to where he's at now. I mean, obviously, it's not going to work per se what he did, but it gives you an angle to how to maneuver. The formula. In, exactly. How to maneuver in the music game. <clears throat> Certain songs I really rock with him um, with. And then some songs I'm like, yeah, I'm not feeling that one. Like this one, I love the content of what he did, but I just wasn't feeling the track. Um, I think he's so versatile. I think he's, I, I put myself in the realm of him. Like he's versatile. He can he can sing, he can rap, he can find different angles. His cadence nice. He can switch it up what he wants to. His content. He's even is said he wants to put like a full t- full rap album out and just a full like R and B type type project out. He did. So he wants to he wants to switch it up. His last album was really good. Um, yeah, the, Trump too. Yeah, the, 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 the he was actually like rapping, rapping, spitting. He was rapping, rapping on spitting. them. <laughs> And I was like, okay, this is okay. This is why people like Russ, because everybody falling in love, like everybody used to that type of Russ. But Russ really yeah. got bars, bro. Russ, Russ, really nice with it. But um, yeah, I wasn't really feeling this. this was a okay. Yeah, this, this was, was a okay. All right. I love the content when he was talking about like you know, stay true. The story. content was incredible. Yeah, the content was incredible. <laughs> like like that, and that's why I was saying it, it was more substance over over like a, 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 a stylized type of track, and it, it being like. Only like a minute fifty as well. Like, like, did that kind of surprise you with how short the track was and how much ground he was covering? No, I mean, well, the ground he was covering to be able to talk about all the points you wanted to hit in the lot of time. I mean, it's that, really yeah. impressive. But I mean, that's where the game is going. It's shorter For songs, sure. two shorter seconds. Even it's me, hard. I don't like sometimes. Like my highest song could go like three thirty, but that's like super long to people. So like it, that's where the game is going. Shorter song, people have shorter uh, attention spans. A lot of music out there, so. But it's really if you see a seven minute song pop up, you're like, oh, I'm not listening to this. Oh, yeah, I'm skipping that intro. What are we doing? Intro now? It better be double side. It better be right. a B switch. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but, but now she's transitioning to, to Kalani's latest uh, single, Little Story. Um, this new electric guitar back violin featuring um, new single from her upcoming album, Blue Water Road, contains her discussing, you know, uh, being in solitude as she sings to a past lover, asking once again to be a part of their, their story. And later in the track, she's accompanied by a violinist for, you know, a spectacular flowy bridge. But um, what were some of your thoughts on this single and just, you know, what direction this might see her upcoming album? Um, I, I went back and forth with this track, too. Um, I love oh, man, I love the production. Over, <laughs> over two on singles, no. <laughs> I love the production of it. I love the the beat switch, but I just didn't like her um the vocals on it. I didn't think she fit this beat or guitar thing. Normally, she her voice goes so well with it, and it and it gels well with it. And it's like an added instrument to the song. To we got drive. spoiled. We got spoiled from It Was Good Until It Wasn't. It was a phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> was a phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, that was really dope. That was really dope. Even her taking, Tra- not Trey songs, uh, Tory Lanez off. When Tory Lanez off. Was that was so dope. sad. And that song was so hard because of him. Um, but that's neither here or there because uh, everybody's going at her throat now. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, coming at her. Uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe Bud, uh <laughs> academics, like coming at you your head top. <laughs> You're not gonna sun me, dog. You're not gonna sun me. You might to sun me. <laughs> but no, bro, I don't know. I just oh, didn't man. I didn't think of voice Joe well with it. I, the I mean the beat was nice. I love the beat switch. She was like, Ooh, yeah, bro, nice. come on, give me some content. Do something. Is that is that what you want for, from her next or like like or, 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 uh, it, if she drops a single before their next album, it's something like just that feels feels is filled with more content. Yeah, and I and it feel like most of her music mm. makes me feel like you can feel it. Like I give you perfect. You should be here. I absolutely love that song, bro. Mm. Like it makes you feel. It gets you in that point. Like even the song with her and um and Aaron Ray. Uh, I forgot the name of the song. Um, but yeah, like it makes get me to feel. You're R B artist. I know every song is not oh, going to change. Yeah, change. change. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's not going to always hit or I'm not going to always feel, but get me to a point. Like I wasn't, you didn't get me off the starting line. Like I was still in the blocks with this track. <laughs> like the gun. <laughs> pow, I, was, I need something. I need something. <laughs> give me something. I need something to, to motivate me to get off these blocks. But I mean, yeah, I wasn't feeling this track. I thought the production was really good. I thought that beat switch, like, it came at the right at the right moments. The production was fire. Don't get me wrong. Mix and mastering was good, and vocals in jail with it though. I think she they forced her voice on. It. I think she forced herself on that track. She liked it so much, and I've done that before too. And I'd be like, "Yo, bro, you know that's not it. Don't do that." And you like the beat yeah. so much, and you try to force yourself on it. Can't do that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But it, it doesn't work more often than not. For sure. But I, I don't know if you've paid attention though. I, I know you were you were not very high on Division's latest <laughs> latest collab album. But man, they've been locked in the studio with Jermaine Dupri. They got a new album coming up pretty soon. They might be on the comeback. They might be on the comeback, bro. I, I, I love I, I, Muse though. You're you're, you're yeah. out on them right right now, but they they might be on the comeback. No, it was just hitting. I'm, I'm kidding. It's like I love Division, bro. Like, yeah, for sure. What's calm September? Feel like, bro. When that first came out, bro, Goodness. I used to listen to it all the time, all the time until they dropped something new. Like that's all they had out. But I love Division, like Muse, the album, bro. That built fire. Oh, Muse was incredible. Yes. I think we, we, we reviewed that. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, because um, what Summer Walker? We reviewed. I said the, the song with Summer Walker. I really, really love. It, it, 
it was a it was a nice up tempo switch up. But it was just the collab album. It was just the collab yeah, album that didn't work for you. You just can't put uh high dollar sign up on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't can't even think of an analogy. Well, is it? But you can't do that. That's no. Even though Todd Dollar Sign's more considered, he's R&B, dope on feature. Yeah, <laughs> he is the good on features. Todd Dollar Sign, he's the good on features. Yeah, he is though. I'm not. I was laughing because until, I thought about until the until he feature. titled his 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 actual album Todd Dollar Sign feature. Todd Dollar Sign feature. Todd Dollar Sign. Oh, that's man. crazy, on, bro. That's funny though because everybody saying you better on features than your regular music. I think that's still true. <laughs> I, I do, honestly. And I, I mean, it, it, he has been a, a part of j- just some amazing tracks, but I, at, at some point you kind of have to know your lane and, and the fact that, look, me as a solo artist in certain albums, it's just not working as much. No. And especially like, oh, let me get the brown. Let me, hey, Division. No, I think Division reached out to Todd Dolla I don't think Todd Dollar oh, sure. would have like, <laughs> like, you know what? What's some two guys? Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, you no. <laughs> Absolutely not. They reached out to him. He was like, you know what? That's money. Let's go get it. I would have denied it. You were mad at me and Maurice when we did when we said we weren't into Faithful, when we didn't like Faithful off of views. You're like, bro, that had division on it, man. Exactly. <laughs> That's like, how you we went back on to it. We were like, yeah, that was tough. <laughs> bro, because how far we go. Yeah. Bro, that was a nice beat switch yeah, up, bro. It was. Come on, man. It was. Savon was right again. Savon was right again. <laughs> Thank <Listen>. you. The <laughs> flowers. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our review of Boys in the Hood. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting to our review of Boys in the Hood. And to start with the re- overview, Boys in the Hood is a 1991 coming-of-age drama film written and directed by John Singleton in his featured directorial debut, starring Ice Cube, um, Kubi Gooden Jr., Morris Chestnut, Lawrence Fishburne, Nia Long, Regina King, and Angela Bassett. And this film follows uh, Trey Styles, who was sent to live with his father, um, Fury Styles, in South Central Los Angeles, um, surrounded by the neighborhood's booming gang culture. And the film's title is a double entendre, a play on the term boyhood, and a reference to the 1987 Easy rap song of, of the same name written by Ice Cube and it had a budget of $6.5 million and brought in $57.5 million into the box office. Um, also has a 96% rating on um, Rotten Tomatoes and was nominated for Best Director and Best Original Screenplay at the 64th uh, Academy Awards, making Singleton the youngest person and the first African-American to be nomina- nominated for Best Director. Um, but to you, like to start off, Savon, like, what are your initial thoughts on this film as it was one that you know was a passionate drama shot with uh, fluency and style? Yo... Depiction of what goes on every day in the hood, whether it's South Central, whether it's Florida, whether it's New York, I think this was spot on. You have guys that are from the same neighborhoods playing this film, which made it so realistic. Um, and then having, you know, Ice Cube be the like, bro, Ice Cube, little shit up. Like, <laughs> like, bro. <laughs> And you see all these young actors, bro. This is yeah. a star-studded film. You got Angela Bassett, you got Lawrence. Seeing Fulton, them this like, young, yeah, bro. And seeing them be like bring the characters to life, bro. Like as a young age, I, I can't remember when I first watched this, but I was like, dang, bro. I did want to see a dead body. Like, like as a kid, like I want to see a dead body. Like they saw a dead body too. So it's just like being being able to relate to it and see those things and have having friends and going on adventures like that and going to places like you're not supposed to be. And um, having one of your friends go to jail early, 
like uh like Ice Cube's go with uh character Doughboy and character. Yeah. But I thought that first off I was like, man, what a great depiction of what really goes on and to give insight of gentrification, all that stuff. Like it was so much hidden gems in this that you know shine light on what's really going on, especially that gentrification thing. That's For was sure. spot on. Yeah, it really was. And I mean, even as you mentioned with, with Ice Cube, seeing him this this early on, it was like mm-hmm. the first time people actually took him seriously, like in a, in an acting role. Like, do you feel as though a film like this, he kind of needed a film like this to actually be kind of accepted into the film industry, or um, just overall a, a, as a, as the type of actor you could take seriously? I don't think this role made made people respect him as a full-on actor just yet because... Full-on actor. Because this, yeah. this role was so easy because he came from that environment, it, it, right? It's so easy for him, yeah. So when you... Like, his other... He has a nice catalog. I don't think a lot of people give yeah. Ice Cube a lot of credit for what he does. Like, um, like he was in Three Kings. He was... Uh, mm-hmm. My name, fun fact, Wellington, he played in a movie. Um, I think it was back in the 90s. He was... His role wasn't a good one, but his name was Savon. Really? My dad watched wow. that film so many times. He got my name from that movie. No oh, lie. You, I forgot need, what movie. Do we need a review? Do we need to review this movie? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it was a drug dealer or something like that. So it's, okay. no, I don't think we should review that. <laughs> Probably not. But, <laughs> but I, I tell, I, I often so often. Mr. Chris, Mr. Yeah. Chris and Marie's going to be like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where my name comes from out of. The Creole background, whatever, but like Savon Ice Cube was an Ice Cube wow. character, and his name was Savon. And I thought I would ask my dad. I'm looking that up. I'm looking that up. I forgot what movie it was, but his name was Savon. But I think this gave him the 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 avenue to be like, I'm more than just a rapper. I think he was like mm-hmm. the first out of many rappers to be like, okay, like Queen Latifah was another one who was a rapper, but she knew how to act and she got into acting. Killed it in the Ice movie industry. Cube was another one. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a tale list, but those two come to mind first off because they were big in the rap rap community. Then they kind of transitioned. Ti even tried it. Ti Ti's not a bad actor either. Ti is a decent yet. actor. Ti is a definitely decent actor. Ludacris. We haven't is even reviewed one. ATL yet, man. Top. We haven't reviewed ATL yet. Oh, yeah, we. Oh I my thought we we have. It? We have never done it. We got oh, to man. We got, nah, we got we're to ATL. <laughs> um, but, but now transitioning to our first topic from one to four stars. Uh, what would you give it? Um. I, Definitely a four-star uh, film as it was just so powerful in performance and message as, you know, John Singleton is really able to tackle the the dangerous subject with, with sleep direction and emotional drive. Um, but to you, like from your perspective, um, from one to four stars, what would you give it? I'll have to give it three and a half. Okay. Um, I know I know there's a, I know there's a specific reason. Whenever you give that <laughs> the half, I know it's just... <laughs> I don't know. Some of the shots, and it, this is all yeah, production wise. We, we said it with juice. We said it even, yeah, even back with juice. Yeah, I think if they, if, I think the quality we have now and the quality they had back then, I think certain, certain shots would have been more capable of you doing if you had the right equipment and the technology that was we have now. But that's kind of, I'm just nitpicking at this point. I mean, I'll forget that. I'll give it four stars. I think it depicted. <laughs> Everything well that goes on into community, it it touched hot hot points of everybody feel like being disrespected or gentrification or people people making fun of the guy who's trying to make a you know make himself uh, more resourceful and more intelligent, and more wise, and trying to get out the situation. It's like a whole bunch yeah. of that goes into community. It land, ended up in the movie, and I think that was a perfect depiction of what it is. So four stars. I'm not going to nitpick because of the production, because, I mean, obviously the technology wasn't available. 
was in Baylor back then, yeah. Yeah. Um, and now, now transitioning to, to, to favorite character, um, t- to me, I would go with, with Trey Styles as mm-hmm. with him being the protagonist, we can really see how he just, you know, he hopes to get into college using his intelligence, but even though he was raised right, he still ends up falling into the, the cycle of violence. Um, to you, kind of like overall, who's your favorite character in this film? I have to say Doughboy, man. And I say yeah. Doughboy because at a young age, he saw the environment and did nothing, and just went right into it. Like he owned, he, he owned knew all yeah. the red flags. He knew all the red and flags. Owned it, and he was the big brother. He was a protector. He had to be this type of guy. Little bro is gonna be the take everybody out the hood. I'm gonna play my role, and I think that's what I'm yeah. trying to get to more of him, not just owning to um, being statistic or just like the um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Wellington. I had a. Um, mm. Uh, stereotype. There we go. Wellington, I, don't I know. was literally about to say. I don't I know where, where you were. Wellington, come on. I was on. literally searching for stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even say, hey, Wellington, uh, how do you, what word am I looking for? <laughs> You're looking for the word stereotype. <laughs> but no, him not just going into the stereotype, but he played his role. He played his role in his family. His, the mom knew that um, Ricky was going to be, he was the football star. He was going to go to college. He was going to possibly go to the NFL and bring money back into my hood. And Big Bro was protecting. Nobody's going to mess with him. I play my role. I know I'm a screw up, but I'm going to play my role, protect him. And, and that's why the mom was just so angry at him after, after the, yeah. the murder. Because she was like, you let this happen. That was your job. And that's yeah. and that's crazy family dynamics when it comes mm. to, to the black Those, These family dynamics are insane. Yeah. And it's so realistic. And that happens all the time. Especially in that time, in the in the nineties, eighties, bro. Like, sports was the only way you could get out of the way out. So if you know you weren't good at it, you know you banging or whatever, your job is to protect the young young kids on the block. And you got younger brother who playing, you supposed to protect them. And I think that's we will get to the scenes, and that's why it happened. And it just escalated more, and that goes back to the disrespect thing, and people feel like they just act off emotions, whatever the case may be. But yeah. Absolutely. Um, and now interesting to, to most memorable scenes. Uh, first, I had a uh, home invasion where Furious shoots at a burglar during the first night mm-hmm. that uh, Trey spends in the house. Um, also, Domino's where, where Doughboy wins a game of Domino's and switches to a game of spades while Trey uh, arrives at the party and, yeah. s- and spots Brandy. Uh, gentrification, uh, uh, yes. a flawless scene. Just, yes. You know, where Furious lectures Trey and Ricky about the dangers of lowering property values in the black community. Um, we got a problem here. Uh, Ferris bumps into Ricky and Doughboy sticks up for him until shots are fired. Also, uh, and definitely uh, the almost one of the central ones, Ricky gets shot, where Trey watches in horror as Ricky is uh, gunned down in the alleyway. Um, give me the gun. Furious convinces Trey to give him uh, the gun instead of uh, avenging Ricky's death. And then finally, uh, don't know, don't show where Doughboy uh, tells Trey that he understands why he decided not to be involved in avenging Ricky's murder. Um, but to you, like, th- throughout, I mean, and there's so many scenes you, you could pick from, uh, what were some of the ones that kind of stood out to you the most? You picked every last one of them. And the one <laughs> that stood off the most is the gentrification scene. Yes, um, that's my top one. The one he's like, give me the gun. Obviously, when Ricky gets shot, I'm saying, Ricky! And he gets shot. And then the um, when Doughboy gets his revenge or whatever, and then that was a good one. But it still didn't make him feel better. You know, your brother. And that's the, and that, and that was... The, the thing I really like about this movie is you could see in his face it didn't give him the satisfaction he thought he would want. Mm-mm. Like, it, it, it still was like this, like, yo, my friend is gone. And there's nothing I can do, even though I killed you. And that's that's the, that's the hard fact, man. That's a hard truth and a hard pill to swallow. Like, even though I get my revenge, it still doesn't change anything. Yeah. It doesn't. I still feel the same way. 
Absolutely. Um, and now transitioning to most memorable quotes, um, I had um, never respect anybody who doesn't respect you back mm-hmm. from Furious. Um, also, most of these tests are culturally biased. The only part that's universal is the math from Furious. Um, also, what you did is no different than than what mothers have been doing from the beginning of time mm-hmm. from Reva. Then finally, either they don't know, don't show, or don't care about what's going on in the hood from Doughboy. Um, to you, kind of like what, what was maybe like one or two of the quotes that you felt as though were, were the clear standouts in this movie? I'm going to give you one. It comes from Doughboy. And this really <clears throat> solidifies his role and how he saw the world. He was, I forgot who he was talking to. He was like, fool, you don't go to college and be talking to no, uh, the B words. Your black A supposed to be learning something. Can't learn nothing. Talking no stupid A, B. <laughs> like, yo. That is the epitome of what his role was. Like, you need to be focused. Let all this stuff go. Like, I'm this is my world. You don't need to be in here. You go and do this. Like, you don't need to be worried about all this. And the, the, the fact that it came from Doughboy, who was the last person I'm taking advice from. Oh, yeah. I never want to take advice from <laughs> But it makes sense. That's how, that's the family dynamics. That's how things were. That's how things were in the community. Like, we're going to protect you as much as possible. You need to step, put your head in them books. Don't worry about these these girls out here, man. They ain't gonna do nothing for you. So I thought that was a dope quote coming from Doughboy. Definitely, and, and, and I mean uh, another thing. Looking at the director John Singleton, who's who's able to have like in his first direct director de- mm-hmm. debut like this much success, and then you look at some of the other movies he's been in uh, or, or, or uh, directed: Poetic Justice, Higher Learning, um, and e- even even the show Snowfall. Uh, the, 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 the current show, the current show, uh, Snowfall, uh, that, that he, that he's helped with, like in terms of what he was able to do in this movie and even everything else he's done, like what kind of stands out to you in terms of like his directorial, like, um, style and how he kind of, uh, portrays his movies and even shows. We, I, I don't think people understand how much we need directors like John Singleton who too can tell our stories mm-hmm. down to the T. And for him to have, this is his first film and he did such a great job. Just imagine if he had all the technology now. And I'm pretty sure, I can't remember. I think John Singleton passed a couple years ago. Right? Yeah, he passed yeah. in 20, yeah. Rest in peace, 2019. So the fact that he was able to depict this so perfectly and it get in the casting directors getting the right people to play these roles and be in this and have, you know what I mean? That's, that's incredible. You don't really do that on the first try. Like Spike, it took Spike Lee a minute to re- to get to the point where he was, and for your first film to hit and get ninety six percent on Rotten Tomato and be a a, a, a movie that stand a test of time, which we're going to get to. I'm sorry, well, it's and I'm jumping ahead, but just to be able to, <laughs> to be able to do something like that in your first film, bro, that is unheard of, and to tell our story, it was so much in here, so much. Yes, some of, most of it was gang violence and just being ignorant and nobody seeing the bigger picture, but it had so much gems in there. And it's all about opportunities and chances and your free will to do with your chance and opportunities and making a decision. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think, man, to do that in your first film, bro. That's wild. That is wild, man. Mm-mm. I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, he had the right team around him. Or I don't, yeah, I don't want to take any credit away from him. He did, and that's a, that's another thing. Like, like that, you got to have a, a strong a strong infrastructure yeah. and surrounding core. Oh, for sure. And I think Ice Cube being one of the writers or him writing it solely, I think that was really good. That was pivotal. Yeah, because I don't think he's like else. I know this. I, I know all this exactly. And I think that's why he was obviously in the film. I don't think anybody mm-hmm. else could play Doughboy 
the way no. he played Double Boy. And I think him, him, that's who he really was in real life at that point in time and years before that. That's who he really was. That's how he came up. So that's why I say it was such an easier role for him. Like his other roles, I think people started realizing like- And you can tell. Okay. And you can tell when an actor is portraying something that is a daily like daily lifestyle for them. Yeah, because you can tell the difference between this and then Rod Along. Or when he played in, um, ah, he played the ex uh, with Vin Diesel. Normally, State of the Union. State of the Union. <laughs> or uh, Are We There Yet? Or oh. like, you know, it's like he has that different range. I think Are We There yeah. Yet really solidify him to be able to play one of those family movies and be able to do it twice and it go over over really well with audiences and everybody can relate to it. Because everybody did it. I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people did it seeing moms. So, uh... <laughs> I mean, no guilt, no guilt. No, guilt <laughs> no shame. But I think those those roles are more pivotal for him to show his, his versatility and show his range of how many movies I Definitely. can do, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and now transitioning to, to what did you like the most about the mm. storyline, um, t- to me, just how this film touched on almost every aspect of, of the yes. young black male psyche mm-hmm. uh, growing up in a challenging environment in LA and it being written so well, you know, due to how John Singleton, you know, grew up in, in those same environments, was able to, to find relatability in it. Um, to you, kind of like what element uh, of the storyline did you kind of find, did you find the most intriguing? I think the, the same thing, man, to be able to, the, the how they depicted it, very precisely of what goes on every day in the black community. It was pinpoint. It was pinpoint. And, and, and also to show the severity of the family dynamic and how they all put their eggs in one basket on the kid going to college and being able to go to the NBA or, or NFL or whatever the case may be to bring money back home to help the family. That shouldn't be the role of the kid. You know what I mean? Like, the family dynamics in those times is still to this day, a lot of people live through their kids. It's not bad to invest in your kids, but not solely be the the reason why you want them to play sports so you can better your situation. I think that's a lot. It happens a lot in the Black community. And I think this film really highlighted that because after that, like, their whole world was shot. You know what I mean? Like, even after they killed the guys, their whole world was shot. What are we going to do? We're still leaving, we're still living in the same position. We're not going to go anywhere. And then Doughboy gets killed. So now you're out of two kids. Because Doughboy kid killed later. I think they say later in the um, weeks later or something like that. Yeah, so, weeks later. That's tough. You lose two kids, yeah. Yeah, and, and, I, and I mean, before we get to our last topic, obviously Cuba Gooden Jr., another actor who's who's got a pretty expansive catalog. Oh, yeah. Um, he was in A Few Good Men and Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. Um, also, also, you know, even in American Gangster, like when you when you see him in this role early on, and then like how he's kind of his his movie career just expanded. Like, what were what were some of your just takeaways on just how his career ha- has stood to, ha- has has kind of been placed right now, and also how this film kind of had a a dealing in projecting him to that status. He also has the range. He's he's versatile. Yeah. He's played a lot of movies from Boat Trip. I don't know if you know about that film. Yeah. To Daddy, <laughs> to Daddy Daycare 2, to um, uh, what's the other film he was in? From Radio, radio. Um, yeah. to uh, Fighting Who's even in um, American American Crime Story, the, the OJ, the, the, the OJ yes. show. Yes, and then he was yeah. also American Gangster, like, Mm-hmm. He, he's shown that he could do the family side. He could do the real side. He could do the gangster side. He could do, like, I think he has a lot of range. And his I think his catalog is solid, too. I think he's he's definitely in the top 15 um, black actors, I would definitely. say. Top 15 black actors. 
And I don't think he gets the, the credit he deserves either because he's he's given us some gold films. Like we we name a bunch of them right there. I still watch it this day, like radio, it's still one of my favorite football films. Oh yeah. And he did that so perfectly. Uh Finding Temptations. I oh, mean, come on, man. Finding Temptations is so funny, bro. Come on, um, come on now. <laughs> come on. It's a blessing of his <laughs> films, bro. Like it's really good. Like he did a, a, a ph- phenomenal job. And I think we got to give him more credit. We have to give Lawrence Fishburne more credit. We have to give Ice Cube. Even Lawrence credit. Fishburne, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Lawrence yeah. I forgot to even mention, mention Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> <laughs> He's just not uh, more. We're just talking about him a few minutes. <laughs> like, there's so many movies Lawrence Fishburne has been in. I don't think he needs Angela to Bassett. Angela Bassett is another one. Oh, her her catalog is crazy too. It's super deep. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, this this movie was star studded. Do we mention more Chestnut? More Chestnut. Yeah, more chestnuts <laughs> up there too. Nah, bro. Yeah. Like, it was so. That's why I was like, yeah, it's so it, many it's stars. So many. Gosh, man. It's, and they were it's, young it's too. They, they got them young, which is really good. Because now you can't get all of them in one movie. Unless you, oh no, unless not you're at paying all. Them. Paying, paying, paying. <laughs> um, but 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 now getting to our last topic, teams from now. Do you still think this will be watched more intriguing? Obviously, it has been able to, to stand the test of time for so many years. Having just a realistic portrayal of what was happening in LA. Um, in this environment, and then the characters just just fit seamlessly in it, and the directorial uh, debut from from John Singleton was mm-hmm. was just flawless. Um, to to you, like th- this this movie is just not a ninety staple. It's really just a movie staple because it's it's been able to be one of those films that people keep going back to. Um, what do you think will continue to make this just um, a watch one intriguing movie? Star studded cast. Um, yeah. I mean, you're gonna get the real. Um, <laughs> I think it's definitely uh, big on West Coast and East Coast. I think the Southern kind of states and everybody knows about it too and really loves it, but it's always going to be a, a statement for East Coast and West Coast, especially when you have this many um, actors in it and as well as Ice Cube, who's big on both sides. Just, yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to want to gravitate to it because we pick so many like <laughs> memes from it and like sayings, mm-hmm. Ricky! Like that's one of the most <laughs> slow sad slogans ever, bro. Like, like, bro, come on. It's used so many times, so many times. Like, especially when he <laughs> Ice Cube said, "Shut up." Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so funny, bro. I still got bro, that meme, bro. The way Ice Cube said like, it too, like, <laughs> <laughs> like he was so disgusted. Yo, man. Yeah. Well, that. That absolutely, yeah. j- j- just a, a classic film that that's continued continue to stand the test of time. Um, well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winter Burns, along my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later. <laughs>